This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Go to GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. The automobile is changing with electrification and greater reliance on software. What does it mean for suppliers, opportunities, potential points of tension? More on that later. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Toyota has once again downgraded its global sales outlook. The world's biggest automaker now says it will sell eight and a quarter million vehicles for the current fiscal year, ending March 31st. It is the second time Toyota has lowered its forecast, originally set at 8.7 million. Toyota cited lower production due to semiconductor bottlenecks and COVID-19 interruptions for the decrease in sales. The company said it expects production challenges to continue into the 2023 fiscal year. For the quarter that ended December 31st, revenue slipped 4.5% to less than $68 billion, and operating profit dropped 21% to $6.8 billion. Meanwhile, Honda says lower incentives on American vehicles are helping the automaker weather the global chip shortage and COVID-19. However, Honda says there may be some adjustments in store as inventories and supply return to more normal levels later this year. As of December 31st, U.S. inventory had shrunk to only 11 days. Honda cited the dialed-down incentives as it raised its full-year fiscal operating profit target to nearly $7 billion. That's up more than a billion from Honda's previous forecast of $5.7 billion in operating profit. The upward revision comes even as Honda reported operating profits slid 17% to $2 billion in the latest quarter. Revenue slipped 2.2% to $31 billion. Another challenge to the supply chain, at least in North America, the international bridge between Detroit and Windsor, Canada, remains closed today. That after protesters have created a blockade on the Canadian side of the Ambassador Bridge. Among the key issues for the protesters is a new rule that requires truckers to be vaccinated against COVID-19 to enter the country. The border crossing is a key trade route for auto parts and new vehicles. The Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association called for the end of the blockade, saying it was threatening fragile supply chains. In EV product news, Volvo will launch a new electric crossover at its U.S. assembly plant in early 2025, Sources tell Automotive News that the model will slot between the midsize XC60 and larger XC90 crossover in size. The new EV is expected to borrow styling cues from the concept recharge and be based on a new electric platform. The model, codenamed V546, could be the third battery-powered model built at Volvo's plant north of Charleston, South Carolina. That factory is projected to make about 40% of the new model's global target of 100000 a year, according to sources. A Volvo spokesman declined to comment on future products. The automaker aims to become an EV-only brand by 2030. And Stellantis released teaser photos of a Ram 1500 EV concept. 
The brand is looking for customers' input as the electric pickup is developed, while the brand lags behind GMC, Chevy, Ford, and Rivian in plans to launch an electric pickup. When it does come to market, it wants to make sure it's giving fans of the brand the kind of truck they want. Ram calls its program Ram Revolution. In it, customers can share ideas and get updates on the upcoming truck. Ram is aiming to launch the electric pickup in 2024. And that's the news you need to know. As automakers lay the groundwork for vehicles that are defined more by software than by mechanical parts, what does the future hold for suppliers? We'll take a different look at the digitization of the auto industry after this. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Welcome back. I'm Jamie Butters. Auto suppliers used to just make parts and ship them to automakers. Now, companies like Robert Bosch, the world's largest auto supplier, want to stay connected with their parts and the data they can gather long after the car rolls off the lot. Automotive News staff reporter John Irwin reports that Bosch aims to have every product it makes be equipped for connectivity, and by 2025 it wants everything it makes to either contain artificial intelligence or to have been developed or assembled using AI. John talked about Bosch's digital transformation with Larry Valaquet, the Automotive News reporter who filled in for me this week as host of Daily Drive. John Irwin, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me, Larry. I'm glad you're here. Hey, uh, I want to ask you about your story that was in Automotive News on Monday about Bosch, the world's largest automotive supplier. It's got some pretty aggressive plans when it comes to uh, its product strategy. Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah, uh, Bosch, like a lot of other companies in the industry, is looking to you know transform itself into a software-driven company. Um, Obviously, Bosch isn't alone with that. Uh, you have all sorts of automakers, other suppliers saying the same thing. Um, but Bosch is an interesting case uh, considering, you know, not only is it the world's largest auto supplier, um, but, you know, it's a company that has a massive presence outside of the industry as well from, uh, you know, power tools, uh, appliances, all sorts of non-automotive products. Um, and Bosch, with every single one of those, automotive or non-automotive, um, is looking to uh, not only have all their products, you know, web enabled or connected at some point uh, in the next few years, uh, but also either contain auto within the next few years, either contain artificial intelligence um, or have that product be made with its assistance 
at some point along the way um, within the next few years. Um, you know, that's big for Bosch. Uh, you know, obviously data is king right now. Uh, we hear that from all sorts of companies. Um, and Bosch is going to have a lot of it uh, gathered, not only from those automotive products, but, you know, from its power tools, from uh, its refrigerators, it sells, uh, whatever else. Um, uh, you know, there's a big opportunity for them down the line to um, really grow their uh, service revenue. Um, uh, you can, it's not a stretch to see down the line, you know, you hopping in your vehicle and uh, you're, you can automatically, you know, adjust your thermostat or turn your oven on or something like that remotely, um, or, you know, being able to uh, have your car tell you that, hey, you know, the fridge is telling me that you're low on milk or eggs or something like that. Why don't you stop at the store on your way home? Something like that. Um, and of course, just an automotive um, in the short term leading up to that, um, you know, Bosch sees a huge opportunity with data, um, connectivity, um, AI, being able to push its revenue up. Um, you know, you can uh, see a lot of things that they're doing with batteries, um, uh, battery management, um, uh, being able to see, okay, uh, your battery's low, um, uh, might need charging, or, or hey, here's a, a route maybe we can take you that would be the most uh, you know, economical or um, uh, something along those lines. Um, uh, so it, it's interesting uh, just seeing where the company's gonna be headed from here uh, you know, as it invests a lot of money, a lot of resources into um, developing this technology, training its hundreds of thousands of employees on it. Um, and uh, just trying to position itself to succeed in an electrified and connected world. So do you do you think that uh, that this well, it's called a data grab, right? It's a mm -hmm. it's a move to try and recapture or capture some data from Bosch's products, especially in automotive. Do you see that setting up any kind of conflict uh, with, say, automakers that you know its primary customers, who are also doing uh, pretty aggressive data grabs right now? It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, you know, on, on one hand, uh, you know, Bosch does already have obviously lots of partnerships with, you know, its automaker customers uh, on data. You know, they just recently um, uh, you know, they partnered with uh, Ford um, and a couple other companies on a, a smart parking garage um, project in Detroit. Um, uh, you see them partnering with uh, Volkswagen on developing level two technology and using a lot of this data and AI that as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, a lot of this is driven, you know, sort of internally trying to build up its own uh, service revenue. And, uh, you know, if it, if it can see that it can uh, use this, you know, treasure trove of uh, data that it has to really, you know, do something independently of the automakers and, uh, you know, uh, build up its service revenue that way, you know, that, that, that could set up a conflict down the line. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, obviously, that's a thing that'll affect not only Bosch, but every other supplier um, uh, that'll be looking to do this, a similar thing. Um, and that's just going to be a big issue down the line. You know, who who controls the data? Um, uh, who What's going to be done with it? Um, uh, and, you know, we'll see how that plays out. It's really interesting to think of, right? If you're in a car and you're uh, sending a data stream to the automaker already, and now you you know your your brakes might be sending a data stream to uh, uh, to Brembo or or your you know or your you know your uh, engine control unit might be sending one to uh, uh, 
Bosch or somebody else. It's it's just a, a crazy amount of, of data that's going to get spread all over the place. What do you, I mean, do you see this as a potential conflict with other suppliers? That too, there's going to be, uh, you know, I think, like you said, it's just back, you know, there's, I mean, you know, is better than me uh, that every single vehicle, uh, it's not just one or a couple of suppliers. Obviously, as everyone knows, so many suppliers are involved just in the making of a vehicle. And now there's these new software companies coming in, um, which that's another angle too, just considering, uh, you know, they're not a lot of these software companies, uh, you know, maybe have uh, not you know, been a part of the automotive space traditionally. Um, they kind of have their own idea of how uh, data, you know, uh, should be utilized, um, who controls it, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it, I think that's going to be something that we'll have to pay attention to over the ne next several years um, is, you know, just, you know, do we just see a host of new data sharing agreements that sort of lay out, okay, we'll share this stuff with you, but, you know, this other information, this is ours, it's proprietary, you know, we're going to keep it for ourselves. Um, uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and I'm sure there are going to be fights uh, at some point along the way. Um, uh, other points where there's, uh, you know, a great incentive to collaborate and work together because um, hey, you have this data that we need. You have this makes sense for us to work. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, you and I are both reporters, so we're we're always going to look forward to the fights, right? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's also going to be interesting to see how these, you know, how different automakers approach this relationship i mean the the wide range of of supplier oem relationships and the you know the quality of those relationships it was it was demonstrated what last week with the with the story that we had on stellantis uh, mm -hmm. and its terms and conditions change right and this is going to be this is going to play out really really interesting over the long term i think yeah that's for sure um yeah that, that's one of the you know big reasons you know, i was i was really looking forward to writing the story about Bosch is that, um, you know, Bosch will be the first to tell you that, you know, the relationship between supplier and automaker is um, not the same as it was before. Um, and it's not going to ever go back uh, to exactly what it was. Um, uh, you know, it's still important, you know, the supplier automaker relationship still, you know, we'll send you this part, you put it in your vehicle, um, that sort of thing, that, that basic relationship's still there, but. Uh, you know, as Mike Mansuetti, who's a, a Bosch's North American chief, told me, um, it used to be back when he started with Bosch in the 80s, they'll make that part, you know, they assure the automaker it'll last for 100,000 miles or whatever it is, um, ship it off, and then you don't think about that part ever again. Well, now the supplier wants to be thinking about that part nonstop because um, they can get all sorts of data from that. And uh, same thing with the automakers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a much more complex relationship. Um, and uh, it's not going to get any simpler um, in the coming years, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John Irwin, thank you very much for doing Daily Drive with us. And uh, uh, we appreciate the story on Bosch. It's fantastic. And thanks, Larry. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. When you need the latest news on software-defined vehicles or anything happening in the auto industry, type in autonews.com. Thanks to Larry for hosting while I was away. Thanks to Jack Hallauer for editing today's show. And thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their support. And thanks to you for listening. Now, let's get back to work.